What's up, Mike? What's up? And I, I thank you for coming on the show. Uh, for y'all that don't know, I'm sitting down with uh, Chef Mike Perez. And uh, Chef, uh, ultimately, what what I want to know, what's your story? Where did, where did you start cooking? Yeah, man, I started, um, so I'm from Portland, Oregon, and um, actually started, or learned about cooking, I guess, um, through a hospitality class in, in my high school, and I originally wanted to be a flight, flight attendant for um, to be able to travel and see other cultures and stuff, and um, took a culinary arts class through, through the CAD program, and um, got a summer job cooking, and realized like I didn't feel like a job at all, and um, you know, my chef in that culinary arts class, Chef Johnson, one cool thing she taught me and it stuck with me is no matter where you go in the world, people need to eat, you know, so you can find a job in that. You'll always that was, have a job. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, you know, and it's, you know, in my career, it's afforded me to travel all over the country. Wow. Uh, so you doing that, that, that was like a, is that like a food science, like, class kind of deal? Because I know here in Texas, we have like a food science, like, uh, like a home ec yeah. class was it kind of like that or was it, was, it more like it, it's funny it was a little more serious i remember so i actually approached chef johnson after a, sh a chef was a speaker in our uh, hospitality class um and there i was a junior in high school i remember and there's like your freshman year your sophomore year there's like intro to home ec home ec one home ec two mm -hmm. and then your junior year, you could take culinary arts one oh and okay then culinary arts two your senior year and I'm, we're finishing the first half of our junior year and I'm like coming to her I'm like hey I have zero prerequisites but I'm interested in being a chef hmm. you know can can I come into your class and it was really cool because they hired this chef who was a chef in, in Portland at a badass restaurant at the time and um, she was the teacher we had a restaurant that we would open in the school and what yeah for like the teachers and like parents and stuff and um, so every Friday, we would open this restaurant. And like during the week, we would like prep for the restaurant, and it would be a different cuisine or different style, different menu every single week. And so we got to learn like, you know, it sucks that these classes are kind of going away now with budget cuts and stuff, or have been going away. But like, right, you know, we got to learn what it's like to operate a restaurant. You know, to build a menu, to cost it, to do all these things. And at that young of an age, too, yeah, 16, 17 years old. But think about it. You know, it's like. What's a common thing you hear in restaurants is like, oh, I'm, I'm here until like I finish college and get my real job, you know? And it's right. like, this is a pretty real job, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> and there's a lot to learn and there's, uh, you know. So much to learn. Uh, so much education behind it, you know? So and not just with the food, with, you know, finance and, and people like we talked about. Yeah. Man, uh, so you, you went from there to uh, Johnson & Wales. Yeah, what, so what made you, what made you choose Johnson & Wales? It's funny. Uh, so I was going to go to um, Willamette University in Oregon and run track. And my senior <laughs> year, I told my dad that I didn't want to go on a partial scholarship to run track and I was going to apply to culinary school and it's going to cost $30,000 a year. And he's like, we're not supporting you in that. We think that's a dumb idea. It's something that you're like romanticizing right now, but it's not going to be a long-term thing for you. Like, no, we're not going to support this. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this on my own. Um, Looked at CIA, looked at Johnson Wales, looked at La Cour en Bleu. Um, I felt for what Johnson Wales offered, it was the right choice for what I wanted to do. Um, and like every high school, well, like a lot of high school kids, it was like I want to move as far away from home as possible. So yeah, Miami felt like one. It was a cultural melting pot for food and cuisine. 
um, and two, it was as far away from home as I could get at the time. Absolutely. Um, Plus the beach. Yeah, exactly. South Beach is awesome. Um, you know, Miami was great. It was a great experience. But like, you know, I, I took out all my own loans when I was 18, and I made a goal that I was going to pay them off when I was 25. So on my 25th birthday, I actually signed my last student loan check. Oh, sweet. I was like, take that, mom and dad. Yeah, <laughs> Stick it to you. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I'm going through uh, not something, something similar along those lines, but, uh, you know, going from the uh, corporate world, doing um, claims and um, having a family to then being like, I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast and he talked about um, you know are you going to work every day like wanting to shoot yourself or what you know like are you sad all the time yeah and it's like would you rather do that every single day or would you rather do something that you love to do and like as long as you wake up every day and you're happy that's all that matters it's important man you have no idea how much would you rather be rich and miserable or, you know, be comfortable and love what you do yeah. at home and at work? Absolutely. Now, I don't want to say money isn't everything because money can be a big factor. But at the same time, like, even if I had, I mean, you know, if I was making tons and tons of money right now, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be happy, but I'd just be more comfortable. But where I'm happy at is with food yes. and learning the different styles of food. Um getting into that like I remember a while back you talked about how you, you would make pasta from scratch you yeah. have a, a Italian background yeah it's funny uh, most of my background is Italian um, started in Portland at Tabla worked for this guy Adam that's how I met Jack our, our VP of culinary for High Hospitality now um, you know he worked at a Michelin star restaurant Adam in, in Italy and wow you know I always I played sports my whole life growing up, so football, basketball, track. And, yeah. Um, so I always loved the like, camaraderie feeling of working in a kitchen. Um, and I always felt like dinner service was kind of like Friday Night Lights. Like, yeah. you know, the chef's the quarterback, and like you're looking to the left and the right, and like you're in it together, right? You're a team, and you push through it, and you win some games, you lose some games, but you guys do it as a team. And, um, you know, it was just really, uh, shit, I forgot where I was going with that altogether. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, just like the, what was the question again, sorry? No, oh, you're good. Uh, just, so you have more of a Italian background. Right, okay, so yeah, so it was, um, you know, so that's Friday Night Lights, right? Like, working at dinner service. And then I remember going to Adam's sister restaurant, Tabla. Jack and I worked at 1001. Went over to Tabla to eat, and it was, um... You know, I watched Adam rolling pasta, and it was like, all right, this is like pasta making. This is like the yoga, or like the calisthenics, like the stretching, you know, and like, yeah. you know, getting everything out of your head, and like getting, you know, like centering your Very chi zen. and everything. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy that you said it that way, because it, it was like, when I was at Terry Black's, that's kind of like how it was when it came to, and I was like, all right, how do we make a brisket? Yeah, yeah. You know, like. Like, getting in there first thing in the morning, checking the smokers, checking your coals. Like, yeah. You know, it's, a very, it's funny you say that. So, like, when I interviewed with Aaron Franklin for this job, we, I think it was, like, a three-hour interview. It, it started, like, with coffee and tacos at his place. And, 
you know, we started talking about Italian food and pasta making. Then we started talking about, you know, smoking meats. And then we were like just nerding out on like all the similarities of the two. And we like had to stop because we were like, dude, we the sun's gonna go down if we keep talking. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's a, that's what got me into Italian food. Though, kind of circling back around is um, how how relaxing it felt. You know, and how and how you kind of need that. You know, just like work-life balance, you kind of need that like intense, tranquil kind of balance in a kitchen too. You know, whether it's bringing in a whole pig and butchering it, and you know, taking these pieces for charcuterie and curing, taking these pieces to go to the smoker, taking these pieces to butcher to cook to order. You know, there's um, certain steps involved in it that that are very calming to the mind, uh, and that's what got me into Italian food. You know, I was when I was younger, it was like French food, French food, technique driven, technique driven. You talk to an Italian, and every Italian's grandma has the best meatball recipe or the best pasta dough recipe. And, right. You know, so there's a lot of pride and there's a lot of love in that, you know. And I think I've always come from more of an emotional learner um, mm. versus, like, technique. And I think that that's where I kind of found my way into Italian cuisine. Wow. Uh, so with, uh, I'm going to butcher the name. The Trattoria... Trattoria Luca. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, I, I, honestly, I've never even heard of the place until I started, like, you know, not sound creepy, but started looking up on you and stuff. <laughs> so creepy, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about this at work. <laughs> yeah, we probably will, more than likely. Uh, but just going through their Instagram and seeing what I've really been getting into is plating mm-hmm. and just seeing... I try to find like plating styles and what I've noticed is like whatever just let things fall naturally you know I think Luca was great in the aspect you know I was a chef de cuisine there for a little bit we got nominated for a beard award when I was there which is really fucking cool um and you know one of the things that I learned there was like keep it simple stupid you know, like, you don't need all these flowers, you don't need, you know, tons of microgreens, like, unless it makes sense and it's a layer of flavor, it's not really necessary, you know? And that's mm. another thing about Italian food that I've always really loved, and as I'm learning more about barbecue now, um, being with Loro, it's, you know, sometimes less is more, and, like, yep. the, care, the care that you put into it is really where where the aces are, you know? Yeah. I would have to, that, I mean, kind of piggyback what we were saying on, it's like, uh, at Terry Black's, one thing that we always talked about was uh, simplicity is what wins the game. Yeah. I think when you like overcompensate for things or like you think, oh, I need kosher salt, black pepper, garlic, uh, cayenne, you know, I need all these seasonings, and you got something that's like, you know, 20, 20 different spices. You lose sight. Yeah. You know, you lose track of what's there. It's, have you seen Pig yet with Nick Cage? No. Dude, you're missing out on like probably the one of the. I would say top two like best like food movies ever. Really? Yeah, Pig, Nicolas Cage. It just came out like last year. I will have to check that out. I just watched actually the one with the the guy was he worked at I, I'm assuming it was like an Italian bistro, but then he opened up his own food truck. And he traveled the world or traveled America. It's called Chef, isn't it? Is it Chef? It's John Favreau, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. His cooking show that he has is pretty good. But he has a cooking show? Yeah, he has. Uh, blanking the name on it now but um yeah he basically cooks family meals for like chefs in their restaurants like all over the country it's like what? really really cool yeah 
That is um, sweet. He like interviews them, and then he's got a guy that's a badass chef with him, and they like build like a family meal that's based around like the style of food that whatever the restaurant is that he's interviewing the chef of, like their style. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking cool. Wow, I gotta check that out. Yeah, yeah. Is oh, that on YouTube? I think it's Netflix. I think it's a Netflix show. Yeah, yeah. Miss John Favreau. I'm a, well, that's yeah, kind of that's true. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, with your with your experience going from all these different places and growing uh, as a uh, cook, um, what is? Uh, did you ever notice anything? I'm sure you'll say yes, but like anything different. So like maybe there was a particular dish that was made, or that you saw like a. Let's say like a, a roasted chicken with like capers and like a lemon butter kind of deal. Maybe um, the restaurant Luca like had something very, very similar to that. Did you ever, like was it really cool seeing like you had the same dish, but you're just doing yeah, things you a know, little different? I think, um, I've always, uh, and it's funny until, re until recently, which it, it's it's a double-edged sword because it sucks, but it's also like very. Uh, you talk about growth, and I think I've grown into uh, a different thought process. But uh, octopus always used to be a big thing to me, mm. um, and how it was cooked, and it not being chewy, but it having good texture and uh, the components that go with it. And Luca did a really good octopus dish, and I kind of riffed off of them. You know, like we were talking about um, before we started today is you know everything's kind of been done right it's just finding like a, the little tweaks to make something your own right um, and so I took a lot of the, those same processes that I'd learned mixed them with some of the processes at Luca added a cast iron pan to it and some beef fat and like what? it's like the crispiest on the outside and like melts on the out and on the inside and it's just like such a great thing uh, and then last year, my fiance made me watch uh, My Octopus Teacher, and I'm like, man, I can't cook an octopus again after watching that show. What? Uh, it was a documentary. It's a killer documentary, man. He, uh, This guy goes swimming in the same area. I think he's out of Australia. Uh, the same reef. And he, like, met this, like, baby octopus and followed it for, like, a year until it, like, had baby octopus and octopi and died. And it's, like, such an emotional, like, roller coaster of a show. It's Whoa. like, man, I don't think I could ever cook that creature again. And I'm a big fan of, like, you know, uh, utilize everything, like, do, you know. Harvest, respect for the animal. Respect for the animal, absolutely a thousand percent, you know. Like, um, I did a boucherie a few years back, and that was really tough for me, because it was, like, we slaughtered a, a pig that someone grew, and it was, um, but it, it gave you, like, a new appreciation of, of um, living off the fat of the land, and, like, how to utilize and respect like every single part of the animal you know yeah i started it's funny after that we would get whole pigs in every uh week at the restaurant i was at and uh we would take the skulls even and like we would cure them like in you know bleach and then put them in like tide to like get rid of all the weird stuff and we'd start putting like skulls all over the dining room and stuff. oh that's and gnarly like, but like that's how much we wanted to utilize we were doing um the appalachian mountains have a thing when we did brunch we we would do uh like brains and soft scrambled eggs with the pig brain Ooh, it's unbelievably delicious if you can get past like it's yeah. like chaparral in south carolina is a big thing to eat like it's i think it's still a little gnarly for me but like boudin here down in the south like that's one boudin, boudin's delicious i love it i love it it's just like you know opal you know it's just like what do i do with the liver and the carcasses it's easy to cook but you know 
the double bone in chops and the and the shoulders and the butts but you know mm. what are you going to do with like the ankles and the, <laughs> and the necks and the yeah. snaps, you know um and i think that that's where a lot of like you know that respect comes from it and, mm. and those meets but yeah so that was a big difference you know i think you know back to the octopus um that was something i've always you know if i see it on a menu i usually order it and um not that it's a big critique more of because people are like your chef don't you do you critique everything that you eat it's like no it's not a critique it's a it's a trying to get a better understanding of the thought process from another chef hmm. so is it hard for you to go out to eat sometimes when you think i could have made it better no not at all oh. you know i think uh perspective is everything you know i um i love going out to eat you know hopefully i come back inspired yeah. Um, your way isn't the best way. You right. Know, there's always something. There's something when I interviewed with Jack, when he interviewed me back in 2009 at 1001, um, you know, I was like, I feel like I'm a good cook, but I also feel like I don't know shit. And he's like coming from Post Trio and the W and all this stuff. And he's like, I don't know shit. He's like, I've been cooking my whole life and I don't know shit. And I was like, I want to work for you. Like, because that humility that comes with that, there's so much to learn with food, you know? Yeah. So much. Like, we're, like, in this, like, tiny little, like, shadowed corner of what we know or what we think we know of culture and everything. There's just, it's so vast, the knowledge. And that's what's super attractive about what we do for a living, you know? Yeah. And that's what makes me excited for you because you're so new into this world. I am. It's, uh... <laughs> When you were showing me, uh, we we're cooking uh, pork ribs, and I found myself kind of nerding out, and I was like, "I'm sorry, nerding out." Tasted like the red curry and the vinegar and everything, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, "It's okay, dude. It, I like it." I'm like, "Let it happen. Just let it happen." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and it, like and now I can't. Every time I'm using the red curry, I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like I just things start turning in my mind but that's i that, am like focused on it you know uh-huh. it's like that's what's so great about this stuff you know like the first time i learned how to confit a duck leg i was just like what else can i cook in fat super low you know i like to take our tallow from the restaurant and cook potatoes in it oh, like confit potatoes super low and they're like so smoky and then you just fry them in a cast iron like smash them and fry them in a cast iron dude they're so good what you gotta the... try it yeah you gotta oh try it. man uh so you bring up Chef Jack a lot. You talk about how he's a mentor for you. And um, I think it's always really good to find somebody uh, in this path that we're on to uh, really grow. Somebody, and for example, like uh, when I first started working at Loro and we were talking about Turkey. And I was like, uh, black pepper. You're like, there's no black pepper on it. And I was like... But then I was also wrong. Yeah, but and the next that. day, you came up to me <laughs> and you're like, hey, like, you were right. Like, you take very good notes. Like, yeah. I was wrong. That was, that was the first time I've ever experienced something like that, where somebody openly admitted... Oh, shit, really? Yeah, because, like, I feel like it, uh, in barbecue or just food in general, like... Um, Ego is like yeah, chef, huge. No chef kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, just say okay. Yeah, absolutely, you're right. Like that's how you want it. That's how it's done. Well, I think you know, there's a couple things in that in that sense in there. There one, there's a recipe. There's a process. 
Uh, we talked about it, you know, the other day. Is like consistency is what's going to make our restaurant successful. Um, and then two, the flip side of that is um, collaborative spirit. Like, how can I expect you to tell me you've done something wrong if I can't admit that I've done something wrong? Right. You know, and the fact that you took good notes, one, it should be rewarded. You know, like good job. You know, like no, I'm not giving you like a fucking raise or anything. So don't get excited. But like, you know, you, you know I'll take I mean? a raise. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like val- validate that you you did a good job and you took the correct notes. And while I need to oversee several different you know variables in that restaurant from day to day, um, the notes that I've given to the team back there where you're at specifically in the pit were good notes. And I made a mistake. And I think that. I think that that's important to acknowledge. So, with Chef Jack, like, um, being, like, with him being your mentor, um, would you say it's almost like his leadership kind of gives you that base to be like, here's somebody else over here at Loro that wanting to learn wanting to strive and you like his, he's like an example to you but you would want somebody to be does that make any sense or am i kind of yeah no that makes sense i think you know somebody told me the other day that i remind him a lot of jack and i was like what and at first i was like dude like what and then i was like i also received that as a compliment because i look up to him so much as a mentor and um you know like we said earlier one of the things that made me want to work for Jack the first time was when I was like, yeah, I think I'm a good cook, but I also don't really know shit. And he's like, I've been cooking my whole life, I don't know shit. Because the goal is to be on, be comfortable being uncomfortable and like to constantly push yourself and to further educate yourself because there's no cap on what we do and what we're learning in this business, you know, and in this industry. I mean, it's literally like an infinite well of knowledge. Yeah, you know, so it's it's pretty accurate. Like, yeah, we don't know these things, and so when I think of, you know, now as I'm older in my career, and, and think about the mentor I want to be to people, it it has a lot to do with how you know Jack taught me, you know, and um, he also would hate that I'm talking about him this much because another thing about him is like it's not about him; it's about the people you know that he's coaching and bringing those people up. I think that that speak echoes, speaks echoes on him, you know, um, volumes. But, uh, but yeah, man. Uh, I, I just think, honestly, I think it's super cool. And people like Jack, uh, when we're on this path, uh, definitely um, leads us to success of what we want uh, at the end of the day. Um, it, plus, if you don't have those kinds of people that are that you are comfortable with that can be extremely honest with you and yeah. tell you like hey you know what like Chef Mike like you came up with this dish I think it could be critiqued a little bit yeah um, I think you know that's that's probably my favorite part about my mentor now is that there's absolutely a line in the sand is like in one sitting, we can have a very like stern conversation about how I need to improve on something or how I need to um, grow in a certain area or, yeah. or um, edit an idea. 
and then 20 minutes later it's like how's your fiance you know <laughs> it's nice you know and so like it's it's a respect yeah you know? it's um you know and it's definitely something you know i feel like i'm a little i'm very emotional and so like i, I kind of get i kind of lean towards the more like i want to be your friend and that's how i'm going to coach you kind of aspect yeah uh, i'm trying to grow into you know more of that like these are your critiques this is where we need to improve it's not personal yeah absolutely yeah, let's go fishing after this you know yeah. oh yeah <laughs> um somebody uh when i first got into the barbecue world going you know being from the corporate world to the just i felt like i just dove deep on the deep side of the pool you know uh going to terry black's down in austin 150 briskets a day going from five maybe five five at the most for sure briskets a year to then already like 100 plus a day. 100 plus, you know like <laughs> i've just done like shot. 10 years <laughs> of briskets in my life um but what was really cool with my experience there was just the amount of repetition. And um, I'm thankful that I got that amount of repetition. Um, and some people would ask me, man, when it comes to high volume like that, like, wouldn't you get bored? Would you get tired of it? And at the same time, I, I think I could see how that you can get tired of it. But when you're really perfecting something or trying to perfect something and really learn about it, not only like taking notes, video, learning from other people, but it's like uh, looking at it from a business standpoint, it takes 12 hours to cook a brisket. And like what I've seen like on YouTube and stuff is like, I've cooked a brisket in four hours. Can't tell the difference between a four-hour cooked brisket and a 12-hour cooked brisket. I'm sure you can. You can definitely tell. <laughs> I'm sure you can definitely tell. You can definitely tell. But it, just the amount of reps and, like, I found myself almost, like, in a trance to say, like, during the cooks where I would be, like, I'm watching the bark build. I'm spritzing when I need to spritz. Do I have too much salt? Do I not have enough salt? Do I... Uh, is the grain of the pepper the right grain? Yeah, they, you, you know. Uh, How are the poles? How's the, the smoke going into the smokers? <laughs> my favorite was when we say we didn't have enough briskets trimmed, and they were getting trimmed last minute, and uh, we would just as soon as they got done trimmed and seasoned, we we're throwing throwing them on the pit, and we noticed, oh my God, like the bark's building up like a almost like a burnt marshmallow you touch it and the salt and the pepper and the lowry's like and everything think, would just think about it you know like you know we usually season it around 8 30 and then we drop them around 11. i said i didn't even i didn't even know that so, with lauro again another step another step of education for you. you should work a couple closing shifts sometime and just load them because that in it that's a whole technique in itself too um because we don't have you know we have that our model's different where we don't have that overnight person just mining the coals all night. Um, but, but hey, I wouldn't mind doing that, by the way. But no, I mean, it's... Think about a curing process, right? What happens when you season something and you let it sit for a little bit? It starts to pull moisture out. It starts mm. to tighten the meat. So it's, it creates this, you know, it's going to render a different product. If you season it quickly and put it in, it's going to start pissing off the liquid. It's like like searing a short rib before you braise it, 
you know, mm. you're sealing the juices, right? You're making a crust. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the, that, that same kind of philosophy um, into it, or like bringing a steak up to room temperature before you throw it on the grill. Uh, it's like, like all those little techniques and nuances are like those cool, that's what, that's what cooking cool, you know? Yeah. What I, kind of diving into the uh, culinary world of things, scratch kitchens and like, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot the name of the place. Uh, I'll have to show it to you a little bit later, right. off air. But um, where they're doing the Santa Maria Grill, kind of like what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then they're, I mean, just like, I didn't know dry aged pork is becoming a big thing. Man, it's funny. I, uh, I've done some dry aged pork. It's uh, flavor's interesting, man. It's not for everyone. Uh, is it like funky, nutty? It's definitely like, like to eat like pork that's a little soured and like nutty and like almost like acorn squashy tasting. Oh, but like really like tight texture. Uh, I don't think people are used to it yet. Yeah, uh, it's something I worked on in Atlanta. Um, I was also like koshering like whole chickens with like paws and heads attached out there. I'll show you some pictures after this. Oh, not really. Um, and it definitely like rendered a very different flavor that like people were like, is this bad? And you're like, no, it's like dry. Like it's like, you smell a piece of dry aged beef, right? And you're like, yeah. dude, that's like, it smells like blue cheese and toe jam. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you eat it and you're like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Well, I, I've I've heard you either love like dry aged beef or you hate it. It's a mixed bag for me, you know. I uh, I love dry aged ribeye. Um, I don't love ground. Like if there's a dry aged burger, uh, not a fan personally. Uh, um, I, I think it's a texture thing for me. Mostly, I think because not only does dry aging yield a different flavor, but it yields a very different texture. Um, and it grills differently too, and it's something that you should know when you do it. Um, so when you have like a medium rare dry aged burger, you're just like, oh, this is gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is really- Don't add blue cheese on that. <laughs> this is really uh, flavorful. <laughs> I'd say. Yeah. Uh, man, yeah, I, I <laughs> funny story, uh, I, when I was at Terry Black's, that's when I really got into dry aging. And I got the Umi bags, like, right from Japan. Like, those, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's not plastic. It's, like, some sort of, uh, it looks like plastic, but it's not. It's almost like the rice nets we use. Yeah. It's like a weird, like, almost like polyester kind of. So I, I went up to Mark Black when he was in town one day, and I said, how can, you know, we have smoked brisket all the time. I was like, how can we be different? How can we be innovative? He was like, I don't know, how can we? I said, dry aged brisket. Then he was like, if you want to give it a try, you can. So he gave me the okay. That's so awesome. I brought I brought the bags in, grabbed a, I think it was like an 1855 Black Angus Prime. Nice. Totally cleaned it, made sure it didn't have like excess moisture and all that stuff, put it in the and the walk-in and then COVID hit. It was probably like 15 days in and COVID hit and then we got let go. And I was like, oh whatever happened man. To whatever happened to oh, it got thrown away. Oh man. Yeah, that I sucks. found out when I got back like 
three and a half months later. And I was like, oh, it'd be perfect. It's like three months long and it is gone. Can I give you my two cents on that? Do it. So, very privileged earlier on in my career, I got to go to the certified Angus Beef Test Kitchen for a full week. Me and like 10 other chefs from around the country. And they basically have like a, a biologist, a chemist, and like a butcher. And they break, we break down a whole cow over a week. And like, there's dry aging processes from the past that they've done. And yield tests and renderings and like literally like ultrasounds on the cow uh, it's, it's is this like an every, every all the time thing it's, or is this like so this certified angus beef test kitchens in uh, worcester ohio and it's probably literally in the middle of a cornfield and then all of a sudden there's like a, a holiday inn and then the test kitchen like an hour and a half out of cleveland perfect and yeah it was fucking awesome and what was great about it though is again back to education you know from all the conversations we had in the pit like i'm obsessed with education yeah and what was so great about it is um one of the things they did was a yield test on dry aging so one Ooh. when you dry age something for more than 60 days you're losing 30 percent of your yield so as we know in a supply chain issue that we're in now countrywide worldwide really with covid you know briskets have went from like two something a pound to like almost six something a pound so then you add 30 more percent to that and you're looking at nine something a pound because you're dry aging it so that might be some badass brisket but we're gonna have to charge like 32 dollars a pound you know like yeah. it's, it's, it's things to be considered not saying that it's not a bad idea but like again you know with this industry and and what you can learn you know like i said earlier it's easy to make you know foie gras or truffles taste good right how does how do you make a margin on the brisket? Mm. You know, if you were if you were to be a business owner, if you're yeah. doing a competition, dude, and you got one brisket or three briskets, fuck yeah, dry the shit out of that. Yeah, that's gonna be dope, <laughs> and you're probably gonna come home with a trophy for your mantelpiece. I'll do that for uh, Memphis May. Dude, Memphis is cool, dude. I've been to Memphis. Uh, I used to go to uh, the Southern Foodway Alliance Symposium. Um, that was in uh, at Oxford. And so you fly into Memphis and then drive down, get a rental car and drive down to Oxford every year, every fall. Yeah. Uh, really cool. It talks about like culture. A, a, a lot of it has to do with like slave immigration, uh, the Hispanic immigration into our country and like how Mexican food got into America, you know, and how queso became a thing. You know, it's like pretty, pretty educational and pretty cool, but you also get to eat a lot of really good food during it. Um, guest chefs from across the country really, really focuses the South. Um, from, you know, Texas all the way over to the Carolinas and up to the Mason-Dixon, you know, so. Uh, man, I get last question for me would be, uh, what's, what's the next step for Chef Mike Perez? Where do you see yourself going? What do you want to achieve? I know that's like a... Uh, Damn, put you, put you on the spot, on the, on bro. The last question hitting real deep. Hit you. Uh, hitting no, real I, think, deep. I think uh, where I see myself, it's not about me. Ooh. I think it's you know about the people that work with me, um, the other cooks in the building, the people in the pit, the butchers, the sous chefs who want to be chef de cuisines, the chef de cuisines who want to be regional chefs. I think my goal is to move forward, but. Uh, make sure I bring everybody up with me. Yeah. You know, and if I don't give you all the tools you need, then I'm not succeeding and I'm not being successful for myself. 
And so, you know, I'm a pretty transparent person. I like to think of myself as an open book. And the, the goal is just get everybody to the next place they want to be. And if I do that, I'm going to be taken care of. I'll be fine. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I can look back and be like, this guy didn't leave here to go next door to work for this guy just to take a lateral position. He's moving up. He's moving up with me and where I'm going. Or he's moving up in another restaurant or he's getting back to do his own. Like, when I get calls now, like, after being in the Carolinas and in Georgia for the past few years, like, I'm like, chef, dude, someone's backing me to do a food truck. Someone's, I'm a chef de cuisine now. I'm overseeing three restaurants. Like, thank you. Like, that's what I want. I want that thank you at the end, and that validates that I did a good job as a teacher. I guess that's my next move is to just make sure that I continue to be that that good teacher to people. You know, make sure that everybody has those tools, and however far we go, that's how far we go. Did you? Did you? Uh, I guess that was second to last question. Second to last question. Uh, <laughs> did you? Because uh, I thought of it right when you were talking. Uh, did you ever have? Did you ever want to open up your own place? Or do you think there's too much out there? I don't think I could ever... No, you know, the, I've got kind of my, like, retirement. I'm not going to cook ever again, but I'm probably going to open this, like, tiny little restaurant. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's me not, That's me retiring, you know? Okay. Uh, I think um, there's a lot of systems in place working with... Um, small groups, you know, mm. and I think there's a lot of things that we get that I think would be irresponsible for me if I started my own little restaurant. Yeah. Um, health insurance. It's a lot easier to get when you have a couple more restaurants. You know? Yeah. Um, making sure people have livable wages. If, you know, we talked about COVID and you're getting let go when you're dry aging your brisket, it's like, I don't ever want to have to be in a position where I have to do that because I'm the owner of a restaurant and I have to make that call. Will I help? guide in a bigger group that has um, a little better of an infrastructure than I could have being that small guy. Yeah. I'd like to be a part of that a little bit more right now. That's cool. Um, you know, that's a little more political, but yeah. I mean, it, it's also like, you know, it's just kind of how I feel. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's, that's not like, it's not an argument for me to have for other people. It's just like, I, I, I don't think it'd be responsible to open a restaurant right now with, yeah. with all the circumstances that are... Um, you know, not circumstance. All the variables that are that are in the air right now. Well, that's one thing. Uh, there's uh, Chud's Barbecue on YouTube. Uh, he's worked for uh, Evan uh, Leroy and Lewis. It, man, dude's super knowledgeable in barbecue, and he has his own uh, YouTube channel. And uh, people have asked him, "Hey, like, why don't you open up your own barbecue restaurant?" And he was like, "I don't want to." because I don't want the responsibility of that. But at the same time, he would rather be the teacher. So like he would he would rather have a platform like YouTube to be able to teach people how to barbecue. And I could be totally wrong saying that. Well, I think no, I, th I think it's not just a responsibility to teach people food, it's a responsibility to other people's livelihood. Yeah. And that's what gets really scary. And like, it's already a high stakes, high stressful industry like to do it on your own and to not have uh support you know is it's big it's an undertaking you yeah. know and, and to be honest with you it's not one that i just want to be a part of yeah now 
Absolutely. You ask me that same question. We'll do another podcast in ten years, and maybe it might be a different answer. But <laughs> you know, hopefully, we do one sooner. But absolutely, <laughs> for sure. Well, Chef Mike, thank you so much for doing this podcast with me, and uh, more to come for sure. Uh, barbecue family, I really hope that you enjoyed the show, and uh, more to come. As I always say, y'all take care. Bye now.